Good evening and welcome back to Everyday Man of God. My name is Stephen LeBlanc. If you didn't already know it, and if you already did, well, thanks for tuning in again. I appreciate you being here. To start off, obviously, this is posted on uh, Rumble, and it's obviously posted... Why I'm saying obvious? It's not obvious. I'm posted on Rumble. I am on uh, YouTube and on Spotify, Breaker, and those type of things. So, these type of podcasts that I do are obviously... Again, there I go with the word obviously. Uh, a lot easier to listen on Spotify or Breaker or I think public radio or all public radio. I think I'm on that one too. Um, I'm not on iTunes yet. Can't figure out why. Um, I tried to send that over before. It didn't work out as well. So what are you going to do? All right. Well, I want to try to jump into this evening because uh, it might be a little longer than I think it's going to be, but you never know. So tonight we're going to talk about the Treaty of Rome, and we are going to talk about, slightly talk about, or quickly talk about, NATO and World War I. It is my belief that World War I was, really, the beginning of a religious war. When, uh, oh, what was his name, Gavrilo Princip assassinated the uh, Arch uh, Fran, uh, Ferdinand Franz, as I stumble over my words, um... There's evidence to show that. I'll be doing a deeper dive into that. I'll also be doing a deeper dive into NATO as well. Um, but we're going to talk about Treaty of Rome. The Treaty of Rome. Uh, make Again, make sure you go to Spotify if it's a lot easier for you to listen to. It's over there under the same title as you see on your screen. So the Treaty of Rome. Where was the Treaty of Rome? It was in the Capitoline Hill. Where's that? Well, it's in Rome. Where's that? It's in Italy. And what is it? Well, it's one of the seven hills. It is one of the seven hills. And people are going to start wondering, goes, why are you attacking only Roman Catholics? Why are you always attacking Roman Catholics? Uh, no, I'm going to be talking about other things. Um, I, I, you know, there's this belief that we shouldn't attack other people. And I, I agree. We're not attacking people. We're looking at religion. We're talking about who is controlling the powers that be that run this country and many others. Um, I don't understand why we don't talk about it more in the uh, Bible-believing world except for the surface level of we're against them. Okay, and people say, well, you know, people will just learn these things. Okay, how many people need to be lost? How many people need to be deceived? How many people need uh, need to die in deception before... We say something. Because it's always somebody else's problem. Well, you know, they'll figure it out. Or it's pretty simple. Or someone's going to say something. Yeah, you be that someone. I think it's worse to be quiet. I think it's the, the worst thing to do is be silent instead of speak up. If they don't like what they hear, that's fine. But at least you spoke up. So the Treaty of Rome that was done on March 25th, 1957. This is the beginning of the creation of the EEC. What does that stand for? The European Economic Community. It was best known for three parts of the European communities, which consisted of the European Coal and Steel Community, the European Atomic Energy Community, and the European Economic Community, which I already mentioned. In this particular episode, I am going to focus probably mostly on the EEC, 
which is the European Economic Community. Although, to this date, that name has been changed, uh, I believe it was in the early 1990s, to Europe Community. European, rather, Community. Sounds better that way. If you don't focus on the uh, legalized theft of one's money, because take out the economic, oh, we're just a community, that's all we are. We're a community. Uh-huh. I think Thomas Sowell once says uh, a long time ago, people rob you, they're a thief, but if you put, if put it into legislation, suddenly it's okay. Now I'm paraphrasing what he said. So that came change. Uh, that came change. That change came about through the uh, Maastricht Treaty, which gives us today the European Union. We've heard about the European Union, haven't we? That's a big deal, the European Union. But let's back up a little. Let's back up a little to the beginning of 1957. You have six member states to sign this treaty. Belgium, West Germany, France, Italy, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. The aim of the European Economic Community was to create economic integration among its members. Therefore, things like taxes between members are eliminated. Get on board. As long as you sign up and follow the rules to buy and sell. I want to repeat that again. As long as you sign up and follow the rules, shut your mouth, get in line to buy and sell. Sound familiar? Revelations 13, chapter 7. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Hmm. Remember, the Roman Empire, you did nothing without the permission granted to you by the Roman Empire or the Roman Emperor. And you must swear allegiance. Everyone answered to the Roman Empire. And now everyone has to answer to the Pope, the UN, the WHO, and NATO. Speaking of NATO, you want a fun little fact, and we're going to dig deeper into NATO down the road. They have a Latin phrase at the NATO headquarters. It's in Latin. Big surprise when the Roman you know, Empire, uh, the Pope, the Vatican are in control. A lot of people say, it's the Jews, it's the Jews. Okay. Um, have you skipped every single connection that the Vatican has? Never mind just the surface stuff, the obvious stuff you see online, they're shaking hands. The Latin phrase is animus in, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Animus in consalendo liber. A mind unfettered in deliberation. And where they get that? Well, they got that from the Conspiracy of Catiline, written by Sallust, a Roman historian who worked closely with Caesar. And there's a name, Henry Spock, or Spake, who is an important name because he's connected to pretty much everything. So, as I said before, the aim of the European economic community was to create a um, 
integration among the members or all members that can be found. Let's take a look at the original six members, starting with Belgium. The two men that signed the Treaty of Rome as representatives of Belgium were Paul Henry Spake, which I just spoke about with NATO. He was the second general in, second general in charge or second uh, officer. I forget what the exact title is. I apologize. Well, the second one. It was not the first. He was the second one. And John, or Jean Charles, or Jean, some say Jean, some say Jean, Jean Charles Snoyd A. Duapers. Let's start with Paul Henry Spake. Now, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. Never looked up a video to see if that's what his name is pronounced, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Paul was a Belgian socialist. He also comes from a very wealthy and distinguished family. He had a grandfather who was part of the Liberal Party and a grandmother who was also a socialist. I'm just going to stop for a moment. You may hear sounds in the background and so forth, maybe some echoing or some nature in the background. Uh, those of you who follow me know that I have not completely 100% finished uh, this shed and putting up uh, walls inside to block out the sound. So thank you for bearing with that. My past podcast, when I lived somewhere else, before we moved down here to Tennessee, it had walls. So, anywho. So his family was connected with Protestant reformers, like Peter Spock, who was a Lutheran and a Pietist. Both are an offshoot of the Catholic Church. Interesting to note, the Belgian socialist is influenced by Karl Marx and Friedrich, or is it Friedrich Eng- Engels? Now, I believe Hitler read Friedrich as well, and also Ferdinand Lassell, who was heavy into philosophy, uh, Western uh, philosophy, as in you know Socrates and Plato. Plato, as the early founders of the Roman Catholic Church, not in the Bible. That's who they relied on, Plato, Platonics, Platonism, and so forth. Neo-Platonism is when they brought that together. Um, I've warned about that kind of stuff. But notice those connections that happened there. This is the guy who's in charge of NATO, second time around. Treaty of Rome, signed on to that. Was also involved in the United Nations. Um, He was at the IMF. Those who you have in charge of things now. Not your good old American, we love America. I don't think so. I don't think so one one bit. Now let's take a, a quick look at West Germany. You had Konrad Adenir, a former Chancellor of Germany. You have, uh, uh, he was a member, he was actually a member of the uh, Center Party. A Catholic political party. And then CDU, which is the Christian Democratic Union of Germany. Also a Catholic political party. He was anti-communist and at first was opposed to the Nazis, then became pro-Nazi. Oh, well, shocker. He gave amnesty to Nazi. Then there was Walter Hallstein, former president of the European Commission, also a member of the Christian Democratic Union. 
and worked with the Nazis. Also a Roman Catholic. The other signer from Belgium was Jean-Charles Snoy A. Dorpers. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Was a diplomat who was a Christian Democratic politician. The Christian Democratic Party. And that was what? A predominantly Roman Catholic party. Well, it's just shocker after shocker, isn't it? Here's another side note. Jean-Charles studied law and philosophy at what? A Catholic university. So to sum up the Belgian gentleman, a socialist and a Roman Catholic, New World Order Builders. All right, let's roll over to France. Christian Penois, a former French resistance fighter and also a socialist after the World War II. And then there was Maurice Faure. He was also a French resistance fighter and also a socialist party member of the radical left party. So we got more socialists going on here. There's a trend with Roman Catholics and uh, socialists. Next county on the list, or did I say county, I apologize. Next country on the list, Italy. There are also two signatories who represent Italy. First, Antonio Segni. Antonio Segni belonged to two different political parties. The Italian People's Party, which was founded by a Catholic priest. The second political party he belonged to was the Christian Democracy Party, which was the revived Italian People's Party is all that was. The same. Still Roman Catholic. Still trying to take over the world. Think about that. Still Roman Catholics. They're still trying to take over the world since the beginning. You mean since the beginning of Peter? No. No. Because Peter was not the Pope. That's going to probably offend a few people. Well, it is what it is. Rely more on the Bible than you do on, on, on uh, men. Rely on themselves and their own selfish ambitions. So he was the major pusher, Antonio Segni. He was the major pusher of Italy, becoming part of the United Nations. You see, why would the Vatican need a seat at the table? They already did through proxies. And for those of you who didn't know that, I have not done the uh, podcast about the United Nations, so that would maybe come as a surprise, but there were two seats that were honorary, lack of a better phrase, it might not be the right word, but Palestine and the Holy See. And I believe the Palestines was revoked at one point. But the Holy See is like, oh, we don't need a seat at the table. We're fine. Well, why would they need a seat at the table? They already really have one. Antonio went on to become president of Italy. I mean, that's not a big deal because anybody's president usually is Roman Catholic in those times. So now the Vatican controlled the president. Oh, and the Constitutional Court of Italy. Don't forget that. Now let's move on to Gratano Martino. He was an influential liberal politician. And in Italy, that would have been on the right. Again, 
left and right and different wings changed over time. They kind of, you know, how Republicans are racist now, even though Democrats were the original racist and so and all that kind of nonsense. And then somebody's going to tell me, well, you got to differentiate between the Northern Democrats and the Southern Democrats and Northern Republicans or Southern Republicans, but I'm not getting into that this evening. I may have already done that in the past. I'm not quite sure. So now let's move on to Gaetano Martino, who, as I said before, was an influential liberal politician. And he would have been on the right. And by the way, guess what? He was supported by Pope, Pope Pi, or I said the Pope, Pope Pius IX. Who, interestingly enough, a good guy, that Pope, he's he actually put Jews back into the ghettos. So he put Jews back into the ghettos, also known as Roman ghettos. Also a supporter of the Civil War. You know that, right? Civil War? You remember that here in this, in this country. You know, the Vatican says they're against slavery. They can say that all they want. But yet it was Roman Catholics who created the slave trade in South America. Bet you didn't remember that or know that. So back to Gaetano Martino. The Vatican got another man. This time, he went on to become president of the European Parliament. I'm sorry, you don't think the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican Church, is trying to control the world? Not for God. Give me a break. God doesn't need the Roman Catholics to control the world. It's his world eventually. He created it, geniuses. All right. Now let's take a look at Luxembourg. The Luxembourg signatories, starting with Joseph Beck, who was a former prime minister of Luxembourg. He was part of two political parties. The right, which was the predecessor to the Christian Social People's Party, the party of the right, was initially going to be the Catholic People's Party. But they changed it because they didn't want to make it obvious and say, oh, we've got to look other people in so nobody you know, knows what's going on. Interesting to note. Joseph Beck is considered a founding father of the European Union. Huh. That's a surprise. A lot of sarcasm in tonight's podcast, if you didn't know. And then there was Lambert Schaus. He was a rather minor player. But still, a signatory. He was also part of the Vatican. He was with the C. SV, which is the Christian Social People's Party. He was also a minister of defense. So I guess maybe not a minor part. Oh, and he was also part of NATO. Part of NATO. So the Catholics in charge of NATO too, the Roman Catholic Church, Vatican Church in charge of NATO. Oh, but no, they're all about peace. What are you talking about? They're about peace. No, they're not. They're about war. Always have been. Always will be. Okay. Next, and I guess you could say last, is the Netherlands. You know, actually, 
I was going to talk about briefly. I'll talk about. Remember, I talked about World War One. The man I was thinking of was Gavrilo Princip. He was a Bosnia Serb. And back in 1911, before he actually killed him, he actually part, well, was part of a, uh, a, a group called the Young Bosnians, or the Young Bosnia. I forget how they put it. But they were a revolutionary movement, which included Muslims and Croats, which was interesting. Two different, remember, there's two different types of Muslims, and these were, I believe, uh, uh, Sunni, uh, from the Sunni side of things. But they were for a, a, a unification of Serbia and a unification of Yugoslavia. Now remember, these areas were predominantly Catholic. So you're Catholic and Muslims working together. Look at that. But it wasn't the Muslims that you think. Remember the two versions. Now who they were against was the Ottoman Empire who was Muslim. So they thought Ferdinand Duke was going to stick to the old ways from the Habsburg dynasty, which was from the, which would have uh, had sympathies towards the Ottoman Empire. So they wanted to kill off uh, Arch France. So it's, again, religious war. Religious war is all of this. That was a side note. Sorry, we're not the different direction now. All right, so we we're talking about the Netherlands. They're going to be rounding out the six countries. Let's begin with the first signatory, Joseph Lung. Was it Lunds? I forget. Joseph Lung was a former Secretary General of NATO. Oh, how about that? He was a member of the Catholic People's Party. Well, at least listen now. Now they're saying Catholic. They're just outright saying it. Which was a continuance of the Roman Catholic State Party. No, I didn't make that up. Like I'm like, oh yeah, they're just a state party. No, it was actually called the Roman Catholic State Party. You see, that's why Roman Catholics have been bred to believe that you got to fight. you got to fight to the end. Fight to the end. There's no premillennial or there's no rapture or, or caught away or catch away. There's no mitra. No, man, we're going to die. We're going to go out there and die for them. And I've talked about this whole martyr thing. It's absolutely insane. You'll find me the scripture that says in the New Testament that says you have to be a martyr. Now, you will die for his name. But there is a, a, a difference of desire to be a martyr. I'm going to go out there on purpose. I'm going to put myself out there so I can die and show, the, show how much I love them by my works. It's not work salvation. All right, so I was talking about the Roman Catholic State Party. So Joseph Lung was also part of the National Socialist Movement in the Netherlands. The National Socialist Movement, those of you who know your history, know where this is going. Which became what? A Nazi political party. Some say he was a passive supporter of what we call today Sadie Vacantist or Sadie Vacantism. But there is evidence to say that that's not true. He was much very much a big support to the day he died. So just another Roman Catholic. Just another Roman Catholic put in charge of things. One world order. He's a one world order guy. A new world order. Now somebody might be asking him or saying to themselves or saying to me as I listen and say, listen man, see that's why we need Catholics. They're always trying to fight for our countries. How's that working out? 
You're not doing a very good job because we're losing. We're, there's nothing but destruction in a world that you've caused. The Roman Catholic Church, millions and millions of people dead because of their greed and power and hungry control. Next on the list is Johannes Lindhorst. I think his last name is Holman. He was a Dutch politician and diplomat. Johannes was admittedly an anti-Semite. So was the popes throughout history. Along with, and don't tell me no they weren't because there's plenty of documentation to prove you wrong. Along with Eintover, who was a Nazi collaborator. So, that's just a touch upon those things with the with the uh, the Treaty of Rome in 1957, and again I've mentioned before we go back to the Bretton Woods Conference right after World War II, which was the beginning of this final road, so to speak. The Roman Catholic Church has been involved in everything. They need those Catholic charities to help people because they're the ones who keep on putting those people in in need. Supply and demand, I guess. I mean, if you keep on being the reason why people need things, you end up being there to give them the things that they need for clothing and food, even though you're the reason they got there in the first place by putting people in charge of the destruction of the world. Ain't that something? Well, the governments of the world and political stages. Anyways. So let's... Word of luck. So let's tidy this up. Tidy this up. Clean this up. I don't know how you want to look at it. We have six nations Belgium, West Germany, France, Italy, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. Now, we're going to get into those same six countries when it comes to the podcast on the United Nations. I think we're going to talk about it in that one. All of these nations happen to be part of the end times Gomer. And what is Gomer? That is one of the regions of which is going to attack Israel in the end times. And they are also all the creators of the eventual European Union. The European Union is all of the countries that exist in Gomer. Do a study on Gomer, and you're going to find all these countries are in Gomer. It's not like one happens to be outside and they're part of the crew. Belgium, 60% Roman Catholic. West Germany, they were 50% Roman Catholic. France, 50% Christianity. When you dig deeper into this, uh, that time frame of different leaders, um, not just Charles de Gaulle, I mean a lot of different ones, you find that the higher percentages of that 50%. Now I've seen 70 to 80. It, 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 that's why I put 50% Christianity because different numbers, 70, 80, not exact number there, so that's, that's Roman Catholicism. Italy, 84% Roman Catholicism. You would have thought it would be higher. Luxembourg, 63% uh, Catholicism. And the Netherlands, which was an interesting place today, but they had a higher concentration then. Um, but their today's numbers, they're around 20% Catholic. 
uh, Roman Catholic. And the reason I put that, because I there's the numbers in the past can vary. They're high, but they vary, so what are you going to do? And the founders of the European Union, let's look at that. So we already know the religion is what? Predominantly Roman Catholic. We, we Hello. I mean, come on. The founders of the European Union, Paul Henry uh, Spake. He was a Catholic and a socialist. Jean-Charles Snoy, a Roman Catholic and a socialist. Conrad Adenauer, a Roman Catholic. Walter Halstein, he was a Roman Catholic and a Nazi sympathizer. Christine, uh, Christine, Christian Panot, a Panois, was a socialist. Maurice Faure, a socialist. Antonio Segni, a Roman Catholic. Gaetano Martino, Roman Catholic. Joseph Beck, Roman Catholic. Lambert Schoss, Roman Catholic. Joseph Lung, Roman Catholic and Nazi sympathizer. J. Lindhorst Holman, an anti-Semite and Nazi sympathizer. That's who's the founder of UNATO. And many of these guys cross over to the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the European Union, the Internet. I already said the IMF, didn't I? I apologize for saying it again. So those who are in charge of destroying the world who created the organizations that started to control the world because of domination, a Roman Catholic and socialist, creating that new world order. There's a new world order when it comes to uh, that they control both sides. The Vatican will control both sides, which is the Roman Empire, obviously. Uh, they never went away. It doesn't take a genius. I mean, listen, you signed the Treaty on Capital uh, Capital Line Hill, on the Seven Hills. You sat in the Lateran Palace, and then having the Lateran Treaty, which was 1929. That's the numbers come in my head, so you can go ahead and fact check me on that if you want. That's that's fine. Um, and that uh, with Mussolini giving the land to the. Pope and the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church so they could have that whole area. And where did the emperors sit with the Lateran Palace? Come on. I don't, you know, if you're Roman Catholic, I'm sorry. You follow a lie. And then someone will probably tell me, I'm like, well, you're a Protestant. No, I'm not a Protestant either. See, that's, that's a problem. Protestants and Roman Catholics seem to have this strange view. And it's very much the same they think they seem to think like they they cornered the market on Christianity or something, like there were no Christians before the the, the Roman Catholic Church and the and the and the Protestants and when the Protestants schism like like nobody was following the Bible believed that or or the Word of God before the, that time. And that's a bit of ignorant of historical evidence and biblical evidence and just the Bible. Read your Bible. Well, I appreciate you tuning in as always. I will um, be back in, I don't know when I'll be back. Maybe a few days, I don't know. Takes time to get these things done. Um, 
I think I'll probably talk about the United Nations on my next one. We might go into uh, the Theosophical Society. Um, I'm always going in different directions. So I appreciate you uh, watching this on Rumble uh, or listening to it because it won't be no visual except for the picture of the uh, Smoky Mountains. But um, uh, listening to Spotify, Rumble, and YouTube. And those of you on YouTube who want to follow me on Spotify, just like Rumble over on Spotify, please do so. Because these are probably better off. You could hear these in the vehicle. But anyone who's listening to it on the other locations, I, I, I thank you. I, I thank everyone who uh, has subscribed, even recently, but from the first subscriber ever got to now. Thank you. Um, I, I think it. Uh, I think some people fail to 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 be more grateful and thankful for those who follow someone or subscribe to their channel. Now remember, and I'll say this a million times like I say in other videos, I'm just a guy. I'm a man. So whatever I quote from Scripture is Scripture from the Bible. I don't decide to make it up myself and take it out of the words and mix them up so I can make it sound better for me. Remember, the Bible's not exactly 100% positive. It's not your best life now. Well, I'm going to end that here. God bless and good night.